Getting to the root of the issue, today on Abounding Grace. When you sit down with a pastor here, or you're involved in some kind of spiritual discipleship, or where somebody's opening the Bible to you, and talking to you about your life, and you're asking for answers, and you're asking for insight, and somebody here, you make an appointment, or you come up after a service, and you want to talk about the things of, of God, and a Bible is open to you, you're going to learn that our goal is to get to the root of the issue, which is why you don't want to talk anymore, and why there's such resistance and why you just shut down, or why you get angry at some of the questions that are being asked. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You When you go to the doctor and he or she tells you there's a serious problem with you, you might be tempted to tell them to give you some painkillers so you could be on your way. But while that may give you some temporary relief, it's really not addressing the root issue, is it? Today on Abounding Grace, we'll learn that the same holds true in our spiritual lives. We see this played out in King Ahab's life. He wants relief from the severe drought that's going on, but not really seeking the root of the issue. Let's see what we can take away from this as we join Pastor Ed Taylor in 1 Kings 18. 1 Kings chapter 18, where we are once again following along the prophet Elijah that was sent to Ahab. He comes on the scene with that strong word of rebuke to wicked King Ahab. He tells him there's going to be a drought. But, but more than that, it wasn't just about the rain, you know. It, it was about the false worship of Baal, the God that they viewed as the God of fertility and rain. And, and the drought was not just something physical, but it was also something spiritual. And it came at the voice of Elijah. And he gives that strong word, and then he heads off on his life of faith. Well, really, the life of faith began when he was told to go to Ahab. And, and he gives the word, and then he goes off to the brook Cherith. He's fed by ravens. Uh, everything dries up. He comes to that Gentile widow's house. There's the miracle with the oil, the miracle with the flour, and, and then there's the resurrection of her son. And now we pick up in verse 1 of chapter 18, where it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. Just a couple things before we move on. I like that phrase, it came to pass after many days. It, it, it was a few more days, and we don't know exactly if, he's, if this phrase is referring to all three years or somewhere in the middle of three years, but let's just take it for what it is. The, there was a tremendous outpouring and work of God in the resurrection of this widow's son, and then he didn't hear from the Lord for another many days. And, and that's normal. You, you may think as you read through the scriptures, as you're turning the page, that you're going to hear some miraculous thing from God or some amazing thing from God every time you turn the page, which would reflect for us every time a day comes or every time we think about it. But, but there are many days where God has you waiting on him. 
There are many days where God has you in the silence and you need to be ready and I need to be ready for the word of the Lord that'll come after many days. Like, for example, you might be receiving this Bible study, learning how to take notes and, and jotting a few things down that you heard, but it really won't come to, to, to pass or it really won't come strong in your heart for many days. And you might walk out and go, oh, another Bible study. I didn't get much out of that. That's okay. Take it in because God may give you something out of it after many days. So you just take it in and take it in and let the Lord be responsible for the result. So here we are in the third year. He gets the word, go back to Elijah, or excuse me, go back to Ahab and tell him the rain is coming. So Elijah, verse 2, went to present himself to Ahab and there was a severe famine in Samaria. And Ahab called Obadiah, who was in charge of his house. Now, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. For it was while Jezebel massacred the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets and hidden them fifty to a cave and fed them with bread and water. And Ahab had said to Obadiah, Go into the land to all the springs of water and to all the brooks. Perhaps we may find grass to keep the horses and mules alive so that we will not have to kill any livestock. Verse 6. So they divided the land between them to explore it. Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. So by the end of three years, the drought is very severe. Uh, desperation sits in. And, and that seems to be the theme, isn't it? We saw desperation in the widow, and now we're seeing a little desperation in Ahab, where he says, you go that way, and I'll go this way, and we'll look for everywhere that we possibly can to find a little grass. What was the widow looking for? What was she out looking for? sticks to make a little fire with what little she had. And now Ahab, the king himself, is splitting up and he's going in one direction. He sends one of his servants in another and he's looking for grass. The simple things, the basic things. And Elijah hears again the word of the Lord to return to the king and announce that rain is, re is, is returning. And we're introduced to this man, Obadiah a God-fearer within the kingdom. And he's sent out to go look for the grass. Ahab is seeking relief from the famine. He's seeking to have relief come from all the effects of the judgment of God. And yet he's failed to seek out, at least it's not recorded for us anywhere. He wants relief, but he's not seeking the root of the issue. He's not seeking out how to solve the issue. He just wants temporary relief. I point that out because it's an important principle for you to grasp in your relationship with God. Because the same thing happens to you. And the same thing most likely has happened to you, where when crisis comes and difficulty arise, and the weight of the difficulty is weighing on you, you want relief but you don't necessarily want to deal with the root of the issue. When you sit down with a pastor here or you're involved in some kind of spiritual discipleship or, where somebody's opening the Bible to you and talking to you about your life and you're asking for answers and you're asking for insight and somebody here, you make an appointment or you come up after a service and you want to talk about the things of, of God and a Bible is open to you, you're going to learn that our goal is our goal is to get to the root of the issue. 
which is why you don't want to talk anymore and why you get so mad and why there's such resistance and why you just shut down or why you get angry at some of the questions that are being asked. Because the closer we get to the root of the issue, the more response we're going to get from you. And it's really not for us, is it? We make the mistake of making the issue each other. It's not about it's us. It's about our relationship with God. And God's just using people in our lives to get to the root of the issue. Here you are wanting relief. I can already, I, I, can, I can picture it in my mind. A big argument in your marriage. A big difficulty with your kids. You, you just got laid off, and there you are. You're, 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 you're desperate, and so you pick up the phone. You tell Google, you tell Siri, call Calvary Chapel Aurora. She says, I found one for you. And so, well, call it. I already told you. Call Calvary Chapel. So, so it calls up, and you get, hello, Calvary Chapel. I need to speak with a pastor. Just a moment, please. Pastor gets on the line. I need help. I need help. Well, come on in or come in tonight after service and we'll talk and we'll pray and let's pray right now. And, and you're looking for help and you're looking for relief. It's probably not on your mind. I've got a really big issue and I want to sit down with someone who will uncover every single hidden thing in my life and will reveal to me things that I already know but I don't want to admit will give me direction and not, it'll, it will, you know, a lot of times it's phrased like this, uh, I don't really want to call anyone, I don't really want to ask for help, because they're just going to tell me it's my fault. Because nobody wants to own up to their side of the issue, so it's just interpreted as all my fault. It's not all your fault, but it's some your fault. Can I get an amen? amen. Because it's hard to admit. We're in the midst of some difficulty, some situation. It's hard to admit, you know, I do have responsibility in this. I am part of the problem. As much as I'm a part of the solution, I'm a part of the problem. So a few things to keep in mind. Uh, if you call us, or you call it, uh, I can only speak for us, but I would hope other churches hold to the same thing. Number one, if you call us, here's a couple of things we have in mind. Number one, we're going to use God's word as the first and final word of authority in your life. It won't be our opinion. It won't be some study. It won't be some psychological review. We will ask the Holy Spirit to use the tool of His Word as the first and the final authority. Number two, we are, one of our goals is to yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit that really knows you better than we know you. And we trust that the Holy Spirit will lead us to the real you, that will reveal the real issue. You go, Ed, what do you mean real you? Well, the you behind the facade, the you, the you behind the face, the you behind the mask, the you behind the... Re everything that you present to us, we need to get behind it to get to the real you. And, and a lot of times it's hard to get to the real you because it's embarrassing to reveal us. It's embarrassing to say... You know, I did this and I did that. I, I'm, it's embarrassing. So instead of being embarrassed, many people choose to, uh, to create a false facade and present to you and present to one another someone who we're really not. And that's what makes churches so plastic and so hurtful. Uh, that's what makes churches just so unlovely uh, that hinders the work of the Spirit in our lives. 
when you've got a group of people that say they're real and worshiping and had their hands lifted and I love you, God, to then pretend and lie to one another, that's just not pretty. And we're gonna get, we want to get to the real you. And thirdly, we want to get to the root of the issue, not just the reasons why you called. We want to get to the root of the issue, not just the reasons why you asked for help. And it's probably the reasons and the circumstances and the responses to them that's caused you so much pain and so much difficulty. And they can deceive you into thinking that if we just give answers for the reasons, then all will be well. It, it would be the equivalent in the medical profession of, of having all of these symptoms presenting a serious problem, but all you want from the doctor is a prescription, and, and you just, here's your prescription, and everything's going to be fine, and you take the prescription, and say, well, you know, the doctor said everything, and never really do what the doctor was trained to do, and that is, you know, you need surgery. No, I didn't ask for surgery. I just want you to write me a prescription. Yeah, but everything in your life, what my x-rays are saying and the MRI is saying, you need surgery or it's going to get worse. Well, spiritually, it's the same way, although we don't have all those tools and MRIs and, and x-rays and things to get behind the scenes. We have the Holy Spirit, and He'll reveal what He needs to reveal when He needs to reveal it. And we want to get to the root, to the root. The Bible has a lot to say about the root. We don't want just to settle for temporary relief. We want to be healed, set free, and walk in the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. Jot these down, I'll read them to you. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 3, it says, A man is not established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous cannot be moved. The root of the righteous. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. One of Paul's prayers for the believers in the city of Ephesus was that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Colossians chapter 2, verse 7, it says that you might be rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. And that idea of rooted is to have your roots going down strong the right way and not to, you know, like, like just like the Bible says, putting the ax to the root. We need to cut out in our lives those things that are hindering us or we'll continue to repeat the same mistakes. So that's where Ahab is. Obadiah is a, a, fresh, a freshness in the text. This man of God serving in the kingdom. Uh, he's serving in a very corrupt government. Uh, and he's got an evil king, and his wife was worse than the evil king. His name, if you like to write down things, Obadiah means servant of God. So the picture here that God's giving us is that a servant of God is in the evil kingdom with an evil king and a wicked wife. Which always reminds me to, to remind you that God has you where you are on purpose. <laughs> You're like, Ahab? I work for Ahab. He's got a different name. And when his wife shows up, oh man, I, what? that's me. It might be. And God has you there on purpose. He has you there to be available to Ahab. To go be sent out and find some grass. But more than that, he was in the proximity of this wicked atrocity and the murderous rampage and massacre of Jezebel toward these prophets and being at the right place at the right time enabled him to save a hundred lives. We never look at things that way. 
God, you might have me here to save a hundred lives. Instead, we go, I can't believe Ahab is my boss. I, I just don't want to be here. And yet here he is, hiding them and feeding them with bread. And notice what it says, he fed them with bread and what? In the midst of a drought? God will always provide. God will always provide. And he found enough bread and water to take care of these prophets in Jesus' name. Really in God's name, but Messiah looking forward. Verse 7. Now as Obadiah was on his way, suddenly Elijah met him. And he recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is that you, my Lord Elijah? And he said, It is I. Go tell your master Elijah's here. And then he said, How have I sinned that you're delivering your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? As the Lord your God lives, there's no nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to hunt for you. And when they said he's not here, he took an oath from the kingdom or nation that they could not find you. And now you say, go tell your master Elijah's here? And it shall come to pass as soon as I am gone from you that the Spirit of the Lord will carry you to a place I do not know. And so when I go and tell Ahab and he can't find you, he'll kill me. But I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. This is a funny, this is funny. Elijah comes, they meet up as he's looking for grass. And hey, I'm Elijah. You're Elijah. Oh man, this is amazing. Go tell Ahab that you found me. Oh, I'm not telling Ahab because by the time I get to Ahab, you're going to disappear. The Spirit of God is going to take you to some brook or to some widow or to some city. I'm not doing it. I want to live. You can't miss the comedy in the scriptures. I don't know how you'd respond, but I think I'd respond. I don't think I'd respond, yes, I'm a mighty man of God, and I will go to Ahab. Like, man, I, I'm just like, I, you tell him. <laughs> you go tell him. I'm not telling him. And notice he says, was it not reported, verse 13, to my Lord, what, what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord, how I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets, 50 to a cave, and fed them with bread and water? And now you say, go tell your master Elijah's here? He'll kill me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts, listen, the word of the Lord through Elijah, to the anxiety and to the anxious and to the concern and to the thoughts of protecting his own life, which are all normal, here's the word of the Lord. As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely present myself to him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. As Obadiah is searching, so Elijah shows up and meets him, and it's a tremendous turn of events, but he's concerned. And I love what he says here. It's really good with the timing of everything in our prayer points tonight in verse 12, it shall come to pass uh, as soon as I'm gone from you that the Spirit of the Lord will carry you to a place I do not know. Uh, and... I go and tell Ahab, and he cannot find you, and he'll kill me. But I, your servant, mark these words, but I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. I feared the Lord from my youth. That's an important phrase, and it's a tremendous testimony to have. Wouldn't you agree? It would be the, the same way that we would say today, I was raised in a godly home. And I had godly parents that prayed for me and raised me and taught me the ways of God and brought me to church and read the Bible to me. I, I was raised in a godly home. 
one of the things that they taught him was not merely the grace of God or the love of God or the, even the mercy of God, but they also taught their young Obadiah the fear of God. They taught him the love of God and they taught him the mercy of God and they taught him the forgiveness of God, but they also emphasized for their son the fear of the Lord. Now, this is not a fear like, we would, like he has of being killed by Ahab. That's not the fear here. This, this is that godly awe and reverence of who God is. It is what Nehemiah prayed in Nehemiah 1, Oh, great and awesome God. It's not I'm afraid, as sometimes has been put into children's hearts because of the anger of their dad or the anger of their mom. And, and how can they not associate their authority figures in their lives, the anger of their parents to a God that their parents tell them about, and now they're afraid of God, that he's going to condemn them, or he's going to, that God is going to undercut you, or he's chasing after you, or he's ready to judge you, or he's going to shower lightning down on you or some sort. That's not the fear he's speaking of, but rather, like Proverbs says in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom. So there's wisdom in the fear of the Lord. There's knowledge and instruction. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And so a fear of God really speaks to not cowering in fear, not running away in fear, but to be in awe of God, to recognize his awesome power, that he's holy and righteous and true. Now let me speak to you parents for a moment because this is very key and critical. Parents, your kids primarily learn about God from you. You are the primary tool in their lives that will either teach them about God in a positive way or teach them about God in a negative way. But believe me, parents, you're teaching them about God. You're teaching them about God. The way your kids learn about the love of Jesus Christ is you. It's not Christian school. It's not Sunday school. It's not me as a pastor or a teacher, it's you. You're the one. You're the one that has the most time with them, the most access to them. You're the one that they trust the most. You're the one that they live with or have, if you have to share custody, that you have the most time with. You sometimes think because of your life and maybe your own mistakes and your own weaknesses and you look at yourself in the frailty of your own life and you go, you know, if Pastor Ed would just tell my kids, they would listen to him. Probably not. Probably not more than they would listen to you. To you and your example. Now, you could be in a place where you need to rehabilitate your um, your credibility and your testimony with your kids. That may be where you're at right now. It's possible. It's possible for you to rehabilitate your credibility and your reputation with your children. Well, they'll receive from you. You just got to start. It's never too late to start. So you're, you know, but Ed, my kid's 40 years old. We'll start today. Because starting today is better than putting it off another day. 
Well, we've been looking at the book of 1 Kings today on Abounding Grace. Ed Taylor is our teacher, and he's the pastor of Calvary Church, Colorado. You can catch what you may have missed online at calvaryaurora.org. You can also listen on iTunes or through our app. Do a search for Calvary Aurora. This month, we've picked out a timely resource we think you'll enjoy. It would even make a great gift or stocking stuffer. It's The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. Sort of like a journalist, Lee Strobel investigates the biggest story in history. Is there credible evidence that Jesus is the Son of God and Savior of the world? Lee asks and answers the sort of questions a skeptic would pose. What will be your verdict in the case for Christ? We'll send it your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Please remember this radio ministry is made possible through the generous support of listeners like you. We don't like to make a big deal about it, but it is important that we hear from you as this year draws to a close. Even if you're not in a position to be able to give, that's okay. You can still voice your support by just letting us know you listen, and that would be huge. Call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryaurora.org. That's 877-30-GRACE. Glad you've taken time out for our study in 1 Kings. We'll pick up where we left off next time we get together on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado. 